Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only podcast that, like the 2023 Cardinals, are just ready for this to be over. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. It never ends for us. Week <laughs> after week, we're here. That's, we're always here, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and this week on the show, we're going to check in on Nolan Gorman and some of the other younger Cardinals. We're going to talk about the last 16 games of the season. We're going to check in on the international pitching market. And we're going to talk about the upcoming series against the Phillies and the series against the Brewers. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Uh, Hambone, you know we got a lot to talk about, but um, oh man, thing you just said, we mentioned it at the end of the last episode too. But I don't know that everyone makes it to the end of every episode, especially the part where we still don't really know how to end this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you you made a point that I think is good is worth repeating is that you know we're coming up on the end of the season. If this is your first season with us and you haven't like scrolled up through the podcast catalog. Uh, we keep this running all year, so oh yeah, uh, you know the the topics might get a little light, or uh, my if, if you really like the first ten minutes of the show, uh, the off season gets even better for that, um, <laughs> and and we try to find other interesting things to do. You know, we're, we've got to watch watch our bad baseball movies and things like that. But uh, you know, we're we'll we'll stick around all all off season. We'll track the off season oh, with yeah. you and. Uh, you know, get ready for 2024 together. So I, this I, I think we're going to have a pretty exciting off season. Actually, I think like we, I think even last year there was a lot to talk about and we're, we're going to have the pitching thing to watch with the Cardinals. We're going to have yep. Otani watch. Um, and, and there will be other good kind of machinations happening. I think we'll cover like MLB at large a little bit more. Um, yeah. but there's always Cardinal stuff to talk about and to gripe about and to complain about. And, you know, <laughs> who, who knows, maybe Matt holiday becomes the, uh, the manager all of a sudden uh, and for a day. Yeah. And then uh, backs out last minute. Did you see that? He's already saying this. He wants to manage a major league uh, club in 2024. Uh, No, I have not seen that. Uh, That's just said that the other day. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, yeah, maybe he'll take the job with the Cardinals for a day and then, and then decide to do something different. Yeah. I'm actually Um, just going to hang out with my family and be rich. Yeah. What turned out great choice, Matt. Yeah, although absolutely. who knows? Maybe things would have been different with him here. Hmm. Uh, they definitely would. I, I do. I'm like fully in belief that just anything would have helped the Cardinals. They just needed something yeah. to change. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, based on what uh, Paul DeYoung was saying a couple of weeks ago, maybe there would have been a little more respect for the manager's wow. chair if he'd ever played in a big league game. You know, yeah. that's not for me. That's from Paul DeYoung. I'm just reporting the news. Uh, it was pointed out to us by C70 in the in our bird score too that uh, Paul DeYoung has been pretty bad with the Giants now too. So. Oh yeah, he has. <laughs> so we, that was coming that all those remarks were coming off of like uh, two really good games with the Giants, and it looked like okay, you know, Paul DeYoung has found his spot, and uh, yeah, it's been he pretty rough for him. Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, for he's him uh, he's got a 472 OPS right now, which totals to a OPS plus of 28. 
uh, with the Giants go. in uh, 42 plate appearances. So, yeah, not great for Paulie D over there, but, uh, you know, he's playing a steady defense. He's Yeah, that's he's what you're really him. He's yeah. first to the yard, last to leave. Of course he is. He's thoughtful. He's he's mm-hmm. uh, 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 cerebral, one might Probably say. Probably reading his philosophy down yeah. in the dugout. Yeah. yeah. Maybe writing that, his own. That's what you want from a baseball player. <laughs> that is what you want. Uh, we got a, a couple things to check in from last week, Ben. Uh, so you did. You're, you're talking to me. You, you survived yeah. your 24 hour race. Yeah, um, I'm definitely interested to hear a little bit more about it uh, for, for if you're joining us this week. Um, ben, could you fill us a little bit, fill us in a little bit about what you participated in? If I recall correctly, you were driving some sort of self-portrait car uh, <laughs> for, for 24 hours. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So uh, real quick, Lemons Racing, it's a play on Le Mans Racing. It is an endurance style racing, uh, uh, I don't know, organization, I guess is the right word. Um, and the race that I did last weekend is a 24 hour endurance race, meaning the goal is to keep the car running and turning laps for an entire 24 hour period. I'm on a race team with three other dudes. Um, shout out to Savage Orchid Racing. That is the the team name. Mm. Um, and we raced a 1982 Nissan ZX Z car, uh, part of the racing is that people really like to have fun with themes and, um, just being really, really stupid and silly. And we decided to, <laughs> the theme would be grimace, mm-hmm. uh, the monster, uh, the, uh, I don't Big know, purple aberration monster. that's a yeah. part of the McDonald's squad. Um, so we wrapped our car purple. We were wearing McDonald's workers uniforms. Uh, I was making cheeseburgers. We were making grimace shakes for people. We were tying McDonald's balloons on other people's cars. And we had a big blow up grimace costume that we were wearing around the paddock and disturbing people and and giving judges massages without them knowing and uh, all kinds of uh, ridiculous behavior. You know, the kind of behavior that kicks in when you've been up for 24 hours straight. Of course. You know, you, you call them an aberration, which I think is very funny. And it made me think a couple things. Uh, if Grimace were a D&D monster, what would he be? Aberration is good. Maybe a monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, um, so. you know, maybe a fiend. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but I not just from this up, realm, I would say not yeah. from the. Yeah, from from somewhere else. <laughs> I've, I, I looked up. I just Googled because this good radio aberration. And here's the top definition. A departure from what is normal, usual or expected. Typically one that is unwelcome. <laughs> yeah, I think that describes Grimace. <laughs> And maybe you and your racing team. Um, yeah. So, okay. So how'd you do? I, I've been dying. To, I've been waiting to ask you in real yeah. Like I've been waiting. I wanted to ask you in real life, but I'm like, no, I gotta do, if I'm going to yeah. talk to you, it might as well be for content. So yeah, that's uh, smart. How, how did the show, how did the race go? It, the race didn't go as well as we had hoped. Uh, so oh. this is, this car is 50 some odd years old yeah. and uh, you know, lots of things are leaking and going wrong. I, uh, I got to start the race this year, which was, uh, the first time I've ever started okay. a race, which is absolutely nuts because everyone is taking these cars out that are put together with toothpicks and yeah. bubble gum. And they're putting the, you know, the pedal, literally the pedal to the metal for the first time. Um, so cars are blown up left and right. Yeah. Uh, our car was running really smooth and I don't want to get into too much car talk cause I think nobody really cares about this, but the quick high level, what are we, what, what are we clicking clack? We, exactly. A little, a little car talk. 
but I think you'll be interested to hear this. The, the issue that we were having was that we had overfilled the transmission with transmission fluid. Mm. Um, and we're, the car had so much fluid in it, uh, in the transmission that the uh, normal way that the heat dissipates was not happening. So the transmission was getting so unbelievably hot and it runs through the bottom and the rear of the car that it was heating up the fuel tank, the fuel tank was getting so hot that, that seems it was like creating, a problem. <laughs> yes, it was creating pressure and uh, ga- the gas was turning into the, the fuel was turning into a gaseous state and it was forcing its way up through other parts of the car. So we went to go check our filter and it was sopping wet with gasoline. Essentially, I was driving around a bomb at 105 <laughs> yeah. miles an hour around the yeah. track. So oh luckily, Stop the car. We see, you know, smoke pouring out everywhere. We pull over. We do these fixes. We run back out. It happens again. Um, and about 8 p.m., 9 p.m. or so, we finally got the fix and was was able to figure out what was going on. You also have to wait for things to cool down because if you open up a transmission and the transmission yeah. fluid is 300 degrees, you're going to scold yourself. So, you know, there was some trial and error. Anyways, we were able to figure that out. I took, I raced, um, later that night from midnight to about four, um, and a couple of stents there, which was wild driving a car at that fast at, you know, that time of day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, so anyways, because of that downtime, I think we placed somewhere in the forties. Um, it really took the wind out of our sails, but, uh, we survived the car yeah. made it to the finish line. Um, I had a really, really, really fun time. I cannot tell you how fun it is to race a car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. Well, I, I, I'm sure that there was some excitement too in just solving the problem, even if oh. you know, even if you know it's kind of killing your your chances. And, and there's other teams are coming over offering help. Uh, the judges are coming over and making fun of us for not knowing how to work a car. Yeah. Um, it's it's a Helpful. ton of fun and you know, the team came together and we're like totally draining, you know, while a race is going on, we're completely draining a transmission and refilling it. And then five seconds go by, we start the car up and hit the track and, and race for another 12, 15, 16, whatever hours. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. What was, you told me you were going to get some data. Do you have like, what was your best lap? And was it you that was driving it or did, did someone on your team end up having the best lap? So I, I don't, I, I had my best personal app I've ever had, but the nighttime numbers haven't come in yet. Um, but somebody on my team beat me by like three seconds, mm. uh, at least of the numbers I know. So when I get the nighttime numbers, I'll, I'll bring that to the pod and I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, I, well, what it, really what the problem was is I could not tell, am I driving faster because I'm getting better at this or is night driving so scary that I feel like I'm going faster and, uh, so I don't know the answer to that because I felt faster at yeah. night than I did during the day, but I also had more reps in. Um, but it's it, it's kind of hard to tell. So, anyways, when I get that data, I'll, I'll let y'all know. You're going that fast, and but you're going, but you're also doing this for hours. Do you eventually yeah. settle in, or is it like four hours of like ah, you know just like gripping it and ripping it the whole time? You, you settle in and there's like, there's this combination of like, you need to hit things hard and fast, but it's also like the less stress you're putting on the car, the faster you're going to be going, the less, the, the more you keep your momentum going forward and less lateral, the faster your lap's going to be. So it's kind of finding this balance of like, 
I'm hitting the gas as hard as I can after the turn, but also mm-hmm. making sure you're hitting the, this turn is smooth and you're not jerking yourself all around because you know, when it, the, the, the track is 2.2 miles, um, and we're talking about seconds. So it's, right. it's all in these corners and these little mistakes is where it's all, it's all made up. So yes and no, there, there's, it, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, yeah. But, but yes, you, you do kind of get locked in. It makes sense. I, uh, over the summer I did, uh, obviously not the same at all, but as close as you can get while still doing something that I could participate in. I did those like really fast go-karts out in Vegas, you know? And I noticed that too. Like there was this one turn that I just could not figure out that it was a full, it was a straightaway to a full U-turn to another straightaway. Yeah. And I just could never, I, I only did a couple, like a couple runs on the track and every time it would just kill my momentum. Like I would, I would feel like I would ace the turn cause I do this awesome, like Tokyo drift sort of thing. But then I'd be on the other side of the turn and just almost at a dead stop. And like, yeah, could not. And it killed all my momentum and killed my time compared to the people that I was like trying to race. And, but I imagine if you're doing it for four hours, you eventually start to figure out what is that perfect balance of, yeah. of gas and 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 brakes. And, and you also like the, I was getting to the point where I was like I, I felt like I had nailed a couple of turns, and I'm going down this back straight. That's the, the straight where you go really fast. And I had this turn locked down, but I was thinking about two turns ahead, and I'm going like a <laughs> hundred miles yeah. an hour. I slow down to eighty to make this turn, and I miss a gear change. And almost spun the car out with, you know, in traffic going 80 miles per hour because I just lost concentration on the turn I was thinking about or the turn Mm -hmm. I should have been thinking about when I was thinking about something two turns away. Um, So you kind of have to, yeah, you really have to be in the moment and you really have to be thoughtful of I'm going to push this one turn this one time and I'm going to do everything else the way that I've been doing it. And then like kind of iterate, iterate, iterate and hopefully get, you know faster and, and safer and all that good stuff. Did anybody blow up? You have like any body parts like fly across the hood of your car? No, but I'll tell you what, when we learned what was happening to that gas tank, when it was getting super, super hot, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no safety precautions for an overheating fuel tank. Yeah. Just scary. Exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad you survived. When's the yeah. next one? Obviously, you're hooked. I can tell. It's the off season now. The, the next one won't be till the uh till the spring next year. So okay. we're we got time to chill. Um, and we'll start working on the cars and you know, swapping that transmission out and uh doing some yeah. other things. But off season now. They do one of these this this organization runs all over the states and probably elsewhere. And there's one that happens in Illinois that I've considered participating in. I don't think I'm a driver though. I think I could yeah. be a pit. I think I could be a pit crew. I think I would enjoy driving, but uh probably for everyone's safety, it's probably best if I'm not a driver. But uh I think it would be a lot of fun. So I might look at some buddies out here we were talking about doing doing one. Yeah. I, I would say anybody who's even curious, just go do a track day. Uh, mm-hmm. they, there's tracks all over the place. You can have a driver do it with you. You can use their car. The expense, it's not cheap, but it's not outlandishly expensive. And you can even take your street car on it. And I think just getting on a track, you'll, you'll know immediately in the first couple of laps. Ooh, I really like this or this isn't for yeah. me. Um, and for me, it, it was one of the more fun things I've ever done, but yeah, go find your, lo- your crappy local track and, and do yeah. it. 
I loved the go-karts, but there's a stakes difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like yes, r- there is. Running into someone uh, is very, very different. Uh, well, yeah, you're not wearing a, uh, a uh, crash helmet. You're not wearing a fire suit and head and na- neck safety device. Uh-huh. You don't have a roll yeah. cage. Yeah, it's... there was a, a woman that I was with, though, that she got T-boned on these things and her the the um, visor on her helmet because we were wearing racing helmets. Yeah, she got hit so hard that the visor flew off. Ooh. She had to go and do all this like concussion protocol Man. and everything. So, you know, it was I... it's still pretty intense, but obviously nothing near what you all were doing. Th- this is disgusting. So I'll try to make this quick. And I went to high school with a guy. Um, and I won't say his name, but, uh, I went to high school with a guy and he was at a, I think it was a go-kart slick track where they like yeah. have slick track tires and the track is like extra slick. So you're, you're, you're scooting the back end out all over the place and somebody hit him and total freak accident. The guardrail, um, after he was crashed into had a sharp point on it. Uh-oh. And as the, the car started to roll over and it, essentially the sharp part of the guardrail scooped out hit one of oh. his forearm muscles and some oh, and oh, no. just completely Don't took scoop it off that out. So we couldn't use and it was, you know, it was irreparable. He couldn't really use that hand and had to kind of have his arm up all the time. But because of a go-kart accident, he yeah, uh, yeah, lost a chunk of his hand or his arm. Well, that's why never do anything, folks. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Just be safe out there. Yeah. All right. One last thing I have to address before we get into uh, the 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 real. We got a pack show today, here. Nate. We got a pack show. We always do. Um, it was brought to my attention uh, that a few weeks ago on an episode, Ben, you said potatoes, and I said nice, a golem reference. Well, I have been educated. It's Samwise. It's Samwise. That it's it's Sam that says. And even though yeah. Gollum also says things like taters and whatnot, what I said yeah. was not a hundred percent correct. And Ben, I'm here to say, yeah, I'm so fucking sorry, Ben. <laughs> oh, I'm so what? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry to our listeners. I'm sorry to Sean Astin. I'm um, sorry to um that weird monkey man who plays Gollum and other things like that. Um, yeah. I've never made a bigger mistake in my life. And I just wanted, I just wanted to apologize, but you know, I'm learning. I think this is the first time I've ever heard you apologize for anything. And it's well unsettling. And I don't believe yeah. you. <laughs> There's literally nothing worse that I could have done than, than mistake the, than swap those two in that conversation. So, sure. um, I just wanted to say I'm sorry, and I mean it. I truly, okay. I truly mean it. Okay. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Adam Wainwright last night, one ninety nine. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. How about that? Uh, it was a good it, game it, against the it, Orioles of all teams. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great start. Um, I thought he looked surprisingly good. He definitely had some help from the defense, um, but he did it. He. And I wouldn't even, we kind of said like, okay, let, let Adam go out there. You mm-hmm. know, maybe he'll give up five and five and maybe the Cardinals offense can squeak out a win. And, but no, he had a good solid start. The bullpen looked fantastic behind them. It looked like the Cardinals had a pitching staff for the first time uh, in a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, he looked great. I do want like when he was getting up to 88 last night, it looked like it hurt. Like I'm yeah. glad this is his last season. It does not seem like he's having fun up there. 
uh, are out there on the mound at all. Um, but you know what? He's leaving it all out there. And there, there's something about getting 199 that now I feel confident that 200 is coming. We have, got, I think, three, three shots. Three more starts. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if you watched the postgame interview with him, but um, he said something similar to what you're kind of mentioning, too, is that he... He very, you know, he's always a, um, I think he's generally a very transparent person. Um, although I think sometimes his, you know, feelings aren't necessarily what the reality of the situation is. But like last night he was saying, uh, things like all season, my body hasn't felt right. Most of the season, my mind hasn't been right. Like he was kind of admitting, I think at multiple times to be like, I probably shouldn't have even been out there. Yeah. But tonight he felt good and he felt different and he felt like his mind was right. And his body was okay, you know? And yeah, I think he could see it. He looked good. Um, he's, I mean, he's looked all right now for the, for last several starts, right? He yeah. just, the offense hasn't lined up for him and it finally did last night. Um, he, he so, doesn't look like he's going through hell anymore. Yeah. Which yeah. is good, I guess. Well, definitely you know good. what? It, definitely good. You know, you know what it might be? Um, you know, we often have a problem on this show where uh, big announcements are made right after we release. But fortunately, this one, we we caught it right before uh, we started recording. I don't know if you saw this, Ben, but um, the Cardinals' Adam Wainwright is to is set to debut three original songs as part of his farewell weekend concert at Bush Stadium. So, really? you know, maybe he had that in the back of his mind, you know, his... Uh, his future career as a, as a, as a country artist or whatever. Yeah. I mean, what else boost album sales, like giving, you know, a a good strong start to the baseball season Uh or a finish to the baseball season. I mean, tale as old as time. Oh yeah. Remember, um, um, yeah. Didn't Charlie Bryan, wasn't he a major league (laughs) baseball pitcher before he put out his first album? Charlie Bryan. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Um, John Prine. Damn oh. it. <laughs> uh, who, did, not, who, who did I just mix up? Charlie Pride, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Charlie Pride was a. Uh, yeah. Was a, I don't think uh, John Prine was ever a baseball player. Um, uh, it's Johnny I'm Cash. Looking. Johnny Cash was a uh, was a major league starter before putting out his first record. Uh, Charlie Pride was a baseball player. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah, good for you. Um, and a country music star. Anyway, I just totally lost my train of thought, but, uh, yeah, well, I was trying to oh, do what? a bad bit and I accidentally got something right, which is kind of breaking my mind right now. Here, um, here's a bad bit. Is this, yeah. is this take already exists on the internet somewhere? I'm sure it does. But, uh, maybe if Adam Wainwright concentrated on pitching more than country music, he would have been to 200 already. You know what? That's a great point, Ben. Are, pe- are people Wayno, you're on notice. Okay? Yeah. Get your mind out of the sheet music and get it yeah. back on the mound. And to that point, what are you doing? Spending time with your wife and children, helping others that are less fortunate than you focus on the mound, bro. Come on. You've got one. Do your job. Do okay? your job. I'm sick of all these actors and, 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 uh, and baseball <laughs> players doing anything other than their, than their job. Yeah. Yeah, what is he doing building wells for people who don't have access to clean water in Africa? Why don't you just think about ball. throwing your curveball? Exactly. <laughs> Throw a damn curveball. Wake up. Do your job. Seventeen and a half million. money <laughs> pays for your salary. And this yeah. is what you do? Yeah. I think it's always All great right, to that, remind that. people that you pay their salary. Uh, it's usually <laughs> helpful. 
That's how I start every interaction with a police officer. Just uh-huh. so you know, you work for you me. Know. Yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're, yeah, three starts left. Hopefully, Wayno uh, gets it, and this, our long national nightmare can come to a close. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, we wanted to check in on some of the, uh, well, we, we've really been following these guys all year. It's been arguably the only really exciting part of the season, uh, is how some of the younger guys have been performing, but have some, uh, some interesting stuff to talk about here. Um, let's start with Liberator, who is now yeah. coming out of the bullpen. He was a key part of this Wayno win last night. Um, what are you seeing of, uh, Liberator as a, as a bullpen reliever well we're seeing the heat he hit 98 last night which i know he's done in some starts but it just looked like it had a little extra giddy up on it um and obviously like he's got a starter's arsenal so if you know i i think that like i'll speak in a super super generality like i think if you take x starting pitcher and put them in one inning relief their stuff raises their 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 stuff ticks up by let's say 15 or 20 percent across the board, right? So you have mm-hmm. Liberator, whose stuff has not really ever been an issue. I think it's consistency and location with Libby. But if you mm-hmm. give him that, a, a super talented guy, that 15 to 20% bump and put him in short relief, I mean, it looks really good. It looks kind of like a no-brainer. There was a time yeah. where this is how the Cardinals brought up their young guys. And I always thought that there was a lot of credence to it, you know, bringing up Carlos Martinez and having him be a fireball monster with breaking stuff out of the bullpen and then go to start the next year. We've seen a tick up with Steven Matz. And I think we're seeing the same thing happen with Libby right now. Um, and I think that there's, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like from the mental aspect, come up, mm-hmm. give us everything that you have for one, one and a third inning, strike out major league pitchers, realize that you are, you belong here and then, you know, kind of transfer back into a starter's role. Um, I, I am liking what I'm seeing. I think it's fine. I think it's a good experiment. I don't want this to be Libertor's future, though. I still am buying the big league starter. Now, maybe he is a a three or a four rather than a one or a two, um, but we need it all, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I don't have any really thing to add other than I hope that yeah, he has a great last 16 games and then he enters uh, 2024 as a, as competition for uh, for a spot in the rotation. And then I guess if he doesn't get it, I guess you would want him to be in like long relief in the made in the at the major league level. So he's at least pitching multiple innings and then he's one of the first back into the rotation if it becomes available. It's hard to say. We really have no idea what the 2024 rotation is going to look like. So it's really hard to predict where these guys are going to be. I mean. Even Michaelis now, I'm starting to question, is he a lock for the 2024 rotation? I, you would think so, but he struggled so much. Like, it's going to be wide open next year. And Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's interesting talking about Michaelis. You, you know, I, I, I think he's probably still a sure thing, but he was he gave an interview uh, this week kind of talking about how he needs to get back to swinging, swing and miss type stuff. Um, and, and I think that that's pretty exciting. I do think that, Michaelis could be somebody who could go to a driveline or some pitching factory type yeah. thing. And he's just like, try how to describe this. Michaelis is just a super athletic, talented human being. And 
I, I'm not going to try to claim like I know anything about pitching mechanics, but I'm, I'm going to talk about it for one second. Like the guy pretty much throws 95 easy, but just using his arm. Like, yeah, there is not really a rock and fire. He's just kind of like he's six four, two hundred, whatever. And he just throws the ball and he has the gift of God to be able to throw at 95 and, and you know, right. size and everything like that. I wonder if you got him into one of these pitching clinics, these drive lines, and he got a little more into his body. If he focused a little more on spin, I just wonder what could happen. I'm not saying we're going to get like a Justin Verlander out of it. Um, but right. I do wonder, and him kind of talking about how he needs to go into the off season and retool and focus on swing and miss. I don't know. It, you know, it's this time of the season. I can, I can dream a little bit on that and yeah. what that might all look like, well, how we might go about that for sure. And, and if I were a, uh, a betting man, I would bet for sure that he is a lock for the rotation, yeah. but just with, with the, the rotation basically going into 2024 as you know, as it is right now, barely in existence. Like I think there's every role is up for grabs here and we'll see what they do uh, and who they decide to add, which will honestly uh, Steven Matz might be the most locked in for the rotation right he, now. Yeah. Right. I mean, he looked the best. He's looked the best of the second half, even though he hasn't pitched for a couple of weeks, he still like had the biggest impression. I think of anyone, him and Zach Thompson, I suppose have done yeah. the best to uh, raise their stock as far as going into 2024, everyone else. Like yeah. I know it's a cliche, but I, I really think you're going to see like, there is no one other than, you know, whoever they go and sign for the or trade for or whatever, like right. all the, all the people that are getting starts right now, or we're getting starts this year. I think it's an open competition for all of them to get yeah. spot. with with Michaelis being in the lead of that list, I think by several steps, especially if he does do something like you're talking about. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading in The Athletic earlier today before we got on the pod um, that uh, uh, J- uh, Zach Thompson has the how did they describe it? His breaking ball in the second half of the season this year, he has had the most breaking ball drop off of any player. So he's beating mm-hmm. Wainwright, Rich Hill, uh, who, Zach Granke. I don't know a- any massive curveball. Zach Thompson has the most dive out of anybody in baseball in the second half. You, you also listed all of the like 40 year old guys. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what now they're right. Rich Hill, Zach Granke. <laughs> their, their breaking balls might move more because of gravity, um, but they're still dropping just, off the they table. Can't throw it that far. So who's just... a contemporary <laughs> curveball thrower? Uh, <laughs> Lance McCullers, he's hurt. There you uh, go. Who's to, uh, oh Aaron Nola? There you go. There he's got a big nasty curveball. He's modern. Yeah. Shane Bieber. I know modern yeah. players. Sure. Um. All right. Let's move on. Jordan Walker. We've been talking about him just all all second half. Yeah. Uh. We named our our one of the dumbest episode titles that we've had in a while. Last week was named after Jordan Walker. <laughs> um. So we just wanted to touch again though on on his defensive improvements. Uh. We we got some additional reporting, a little bit of a buzz around his defense over the last week. Ben, do you want to uh? touch on that real quick. Yeah. I mean, all, all that's really there to talk about is that his relationship with Willie McGee and then the report, I believe this was by Katie Wu also in the athletic was talking about their process of, uh, going out in the outfield, having balls hit at him and him not only, uh, working on jumps, but correcting his routes. Um, mm-hmm. and I, we've talked about it all season. He's got the speed, he's got the arm. He just has to get that down or, or the, 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 like the actual, uh, footwork down. And, 
it's hard, you know, defensive metrics. I was looking into these defensive metrics and they're all so squishy that I don't even really want to cite any, any until the season is over and we have a larger data set to talk about. But I think on the eyeball test and the way that he's charging after balls a lot more confidently, the way that he is laying up on balls um, and not letting things get past him like was happening earlier in the mm-hmm. season. I mean, just by the eyeball test alone, I think he's been fantastic. And we talked about, I think we talked about this last week. You extrapolate his growth over time. And I'm feeling where I was kind of in the spot of, oh no, Jordan Walker's going to have to DH until Goldie or Nato is gone. I'm now at the th- point where I think that he will be a average right fielder very, very soon, maybe even next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, if you look at um, basically every defensive metric from the start of the year to the end of the year, and and you are just comparing small sample size to small sample size to small sample size, but even still, it, they all trend upward. And if you remember uh, way back when it was announced that uh, Walker made the opening day roster and how exciting that was, the thing that remember everyone that? That, that remember that. We got that wow. fun video of like him going into Marmol's office and oh and, yeah, and, yeah. I mean it's uh, it is it's a ton of fun, good old right? days. And uh, they the thing they kept saying about Walker and the reason why they were uh, calling him up so early is that he had the mindset and the willingness to be coached and make adjustments based off right. of that coaching. And they said, you know, I guess the thought process being like, you may be young for this. You may not be fully developed, but we think it's time for you to to take that development to the major league level rather than at the minor league level. Now, of course, they because they've been bad at communicating everything all year, they demote him like three weeks later. And it doesn't make any sense based off of what they were saying at the beginning. But it's all in the past now. He, he's pretty <laughs> much locked in as a major league starter. And that's like, I think this is evidence of that. We we have seen if you've been paying attention we have seen Jordan Walker improve at every element of the game at the major league level. He's got it. He's hitting better than he's ever hit. He's playing defense better than he's ever played defense. It's all improving. And uh, I think Cardinal fans should be excited about 2024 and, and beyond. Um, it's there. You can see like we haven't had this for a while, right? It's like Oscar Tavares and we never really got the like, right. You know, we didn't get and- that. You know, so there is something I think in the very near future, like probably next year, very exciting about Nolan Gorman from the left and Jordan Walker from the right kind of backing up the old vets in the lineup. And they're just so much power and youth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the lineup gets really, really scary really quickly and long. um, Yeah. When those guys start to to click and perform. Well, let's talk about Gorman, who. was today placed on the IL, which is a bummer. I mean, it, he may get a few more games at the, uh, right at the end, but because it was backdated, but he's, he's like, he's likely done for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. But um, you dropped a couple of numbers here that I, I, I was actually looking at myself the other day. Do you want to, you want to throw them in there real quick? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, so he had a really rough, rough August, just not making a lot of contact and striking out quite a bit, which is, you know, part of Gorman's game. He's going to strike out. Uh, that being said, he is walking at a pretty nice clip this year, so we'll take it. Um, but he's been protected against left-handed pitching for the most part, but he's been hitting it more and more recently 
on the season, he has an OPS plus against right-handed pitchers of 115 and against left-handed pitchers, his OPS plus is 126. And I'm shocked by that for a number of reasons. Uh, But I was curious about that is because he hit against in this Orioles series. He hit absolute monster home run off a left-handed pitcher. Um, And his hands are so quick that he's, he's just, it makes sense to me that if you throw him a breaking ball, whether you're left or right, you throw down the middle, whatever it is, he's going to tag Mm -hmm. it. Um, But yeah, I think that's something that's really exciting. And I think that when you're looking at those types of numbers, and coming into 2024, you're really thinking about Nolan Gorman being your everyday first baseman, like 140 plus Se- starts second at that position. Right. Yeah. Um, you said first base. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So and maybe some starts uh, there too. I mean, possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, that'll be like, it, it's very common. We I've been saying this all season, but like what we're seeing out of Gorman is the normal progression for a really good ba- major league baseball player. Maybe not a superstar, but someone who's going to be really good. Sophomore year, we see significant improvements across the board. And it's very common for a left-hander to not get a ton of at-bats against lefties early on in their career. And they basically have to prove that they can they can do it all year before they get those, or they can do it consistently before they get right. it. Just you become an everyday full starter, no, no questions, right? Um, and we're starting to see it. I, I, it's, it's crazy that he has a higher OPS plus against left-handed, uh, pitchers. I mean, it's, it's a considerably smaller sample size, but like, right. what else can you do? He's hitting the ball hard. Most of the time he he's playing against a lefty. So I, I think you're right. I think we'll see him as an everyday player next year. Just where is it in the, uh, yeah. on the field, you know, we'll, it- we'll find out. I think another exciting thing with him, I was kind of going over his baseball savant page and just kind of looking through and, and, and the underlying metrics. And I think he's, you know, while he's had a fine year, I think he's actually underperforming what his underlying metrics and, and hard hit and average exit velo barrel percentage, all those fun stats are saying that he should probably have even better results than we're seeing right now. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have much else to say other than Nolan Gorman is a really good baseball player and I'm excited <laughs> to watch him play and hopefully be healthy next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's so much of it. Um, yeah. So to your point, uh, you know, one of my favorite stats for looking at, like, I think one of the cleanest for looking at, uh, the underlying numbers and, and, and what his results should be is expected weighted on base average. So WOBA or X WOBA. And so his WOBA, which is the results, is a 333, which is good. Yeah. It, you know, this is a lot like um, if you understand what a good on base percentage is, is a pretty good corollary to a uh, WOBA, you know. So a three, if you have a 330 at the major league level, you'd be happy with that. It obviously could be better, but you'd be happy with that. Uh, his ex WOBA is a 351. So he's underperforming that by almost 20 points. And so, uh, you know, if he could do a 350 at the major league level, that's a very good offensive player. And oh, yeah. if he's doing that from second base, you're even happier. Yeah. Yeah. It's we, we were talking about Kyle Schwarber earlier in the year. I think he's already kind of eclipsing that performance, not on the home run side, but just on the overall player. Yeah. The fact that he gets on 
Uh, he actually makes content, like hits for some average. <laughs> I think Kyle Schwarber just broke 200 um, uh, as for his batting average, which is mind boggling to me. But uh, I think Kyle Schwarber might be underselling uh, Gorman all of a sudden. Yeah, you really don't want the profile that Kyle Schwarber gives. It's extreme. Yeah, it if it works perfectly, you can have a a very successful season. But even with his forty three home runs uh, that he has right now, he has put up uh, an F war of one point four. Well. It, 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 I don't know if it is necessarily Kyle Schwarber's fault that the Philadelphia Phillies are making him play so much in the outfield. He should yeah. be a DH. Um, love he me some be. K Schwarbs. He is fun to watch. Great hitter or powerful hitter, but he should mm-hmm. not be shagging balls in the outfield. It just is a bad thing to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely suppressing his, uh, his war total by, by a lot. But it, but it, again, it shows to the, if you're, you're comparing Gorman's overall ability to help your team win games. Uh, like he's far, he, he has the potential to be far more valuable than, than Schwarber. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll take that and offensive. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so let's talk about the last 16 games. Um, we've, we're, we're, we're here at the end of it. We've got 10 games uh, that are, uh, combined against the Brewers and the Reds. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're at the end of it. So I don't know. Does it what feel are you good? I don't know, man. I've, th- I haven't felt this feeling in a long time. At least I guess not since 2018. If you yeah. know, being realistic, is that like, it's been over for a long time, but I love yeah. having baseball. So to me, 16 days, 16 games left of the Cardinal season. I've, I think I've, I've grieved the Cardinal season already. I'm more upset that baseball has roughly 16 games left. And, you know, I love the postseason, so we'll be tracking that and, and watching all of it. But like, I'm more just sad that baseball's nearing the yeah. end of the season. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, I'm like, ah, you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, I, I, what I'm looking for is the same stuff that we've been talking about, uh, for a while now. I really would love to see Mason win, uh, start to connect a little bit more offensively. Just, so we get a little bit of a glimmer of, of some progression for next year. I'm excited to continue to see 16 more games of Jordan Walker. Um, I'm interested to see what Libertor does out of the bullpen and, and how some of these arms finish up the season. Um, but you know, it's such at this point, it is such a small sample size, you know, even if win hits well for 10 of those games, it doesn't yeah. quite tell you that much about what 2024 might look like. Um, no, but- it doesn't tell me. It's not like really going to be good at predicting future outcomes. Right. But right. I do think just for Mason win and for the fans, it would be great to see a little bit of production there. And I, I think I'll extend that to, you know, seeing uh, Alec Burleson, who yeah. confounds me. Because every at-bat I see from him, I am like, that was a great at-bat. Oh, he stung that ball. He just is like, uh, and I don't have the number in front of me right now. Is he just getting babbipped to absolute hell and, and the results just aren't happening? But every time I watch him, I'm always impressed by uh, by his plate appearance. So seeing balls fall yeah. for him a little bit more, I think would be really great. Uh, I already said Luke and Baker. Um, 
you know, seeing, uh, uh, kind of the younger guys just perform a little bit more, uh, Lars Newbar seems like he's already back. Um, seeing Tyler O'Neill continue to be moderately healthy and, and stay uninjured, um, would be great. But, uh, all that being said, Nate, I'm here for the Richie Placido, uh, Plas- Palacios, <laughs> uh, let him run him out every day. Like I think yeah. we talked about it. I don't think the guy's going to run a 934. Uh, OPS all, all year next year, and he's going to take over center or anything like that. But this guy might really be your fourth or fifth outfielder next year, depending on what kind of moves the Cardinals make to augment their pitching staff. Um, mm-hmm. And he's fun to watch. I don't know. He wants to be there. He plays his ass off. Uh, he has surprising pop from the left side. And I mean, uh, he can go I, get I, it. I said it, uh, I think, in the in the bird scored, but uh, Wayno needs to buy Velasquez like a truck or something. A, tr- um, a watch, a truck. Yeah, they they actually yeah. they made the same joke to uh to him in the uh in the in that uh, interview I was talking about earlier. They asked him if he's going to buy him a steak dinner, and he goes, "Richie, I'll buy whatever he wants. He come over and ask me. He can have whatever he wants." Or you know, yeah. some charming Wayno answer. Um, yeah, yeah, he's been fun, and you know, depending on how this offseason shakes out, he maybe playing himself into a fourth outfielder uh, platoon role. Um, you know, we talked about load management last week with Tyler O'Neill. Like there's something there. Also, his brother hit a home run yesterday too, which is, you know, that's gotta be fun for them. That is um, fun. His brother, his brother seems to be doing pretty well too. So yeah, I mean, he, he seems good. Like, uh, you know, m- major league starter, maybe, maybe not, but definitely like contributing major league player um, to go back to, to Burleson real quick. Yeah. I, Burleson, you know, when we've been talking about these guys where it's like everything looks right, but the results aren't there. We talked about like Joe Kelly and and like Polante and stuff like that. These pitchers, you normally it's easier to equate to, but Burleson is that sort of the same thing. He is in he is a um, strikeout rate in the top 16 or sorry, top 6% of the league. He has a 13.1% strikeout rate. And um, he is definitely getting uh, bit by some uh, good process, bad results. Um, you know, right now his, uh, to go back to that same stat I was using before his, uh, his Woba is 294. Not great. Um, but his expected Woba is 321. So almost a 25 point swing in, uh, you know, expected Woba. And so like, there's definitely something there that I think there's a reason why the Cardinals are playing him every day. And it's not just yeah. because they want to lose games. You know, I, I do think, you, you can see a world where this starts to click. He he's he like all of these numbers. They're fantastic He has a 90.3 uh, average exit velocity. His max exit velocity is 110.6, 12 percent a launch angle of 12.1. Uh, you know, everything he's got his walk rates a little lower right now, 6.4, but that's still pretty good for a big beefy boy like like that um and yeah. then that incredibly low strikeout rate like you would just think it would be going better for him so you um yeah if i had to pick my sleeper candidate for 2024 right now like alec Brolson might be at the top of the list of who is going to have the biggest swing in production from 23 mm-hmm. to 24 just because of all those numbers you're talking about it uh, talking about and like all that is true and the eyeball test like he just yeah. looks like he has a plan he it looks like he's always making good contact. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's I think got a 255 bad bip right now, which is pretty yeah. low. Well, he's not fast. So he's likely no. to be a guy who will carry a lower bad bip. 
right? He's not beating out his infield singles. He has to get the Wait, ball out of the infield, but he still he had 255 a, is too low. That's too low. He had a hit in the Baltimore series, a screaming ball that almost went over that uh, left field wall. It didn't. He was trying to stretch a single into a double, which I think everybody else on the Cardinals staff, maybe except for Kisner, could have done. And he gets thrown yeah. out, and it's a single and an out, um, which should have been a home run or a double. And it's just like that was kind of like the encapsula- yeah. encapsulation of his season. It's just not always going his way. That's why we call him Chief Beef. Uh, Chief Beef. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still a believer in him, and and like we said, some of those underlying numbers are 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 nearly elite. Uh, that strikeout rate, and, and you it, you talk about having a plan. It always just looks better when you're when you are never striking out, right? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I like I think he's a pretty big candidate to be traded, but I also wonder, you know, teams usually like to acquire. Um, if they're acquiring a big league level player, they are usually looking for that big league level talent unless you're trading to a rebuilding team. Um, so I don't know. His trade value feels really weird to me right now. It feels like I it'd agree. be sell low. Um, but I, I do struggle to see where he where his plate appearances come from next year, assuming like we're entering the season, everyone's healthy, everyone's back, and you have your standard, like your your core starting outfield and, and DH and whatnot. I don't know where those at bats come from. So I do think he's, he's a pretty top candidate to be traded to another savvy team who sees the same underlying stats as I, as we do. But I just also, I don't know if you're getting the value you would want for him. I have to imagine some teams were asking about him at the trade deadline too. And, and probably the Cardinals were not getting the value that they see out of him. So we'll see, yeah. but I mean, it's gotta be like, if we are trading for for a starting pitcher, which everyone assumes that they will be, you're going to have to give true value to get someone good. And, um, you know, a Brendan Donovan, a Gorman and Alec Burleson, all you can see this package of guys like that. To get, it's the only way you're going to get a uh, like a, a good starter. And, and Burleson's probably the add on behind someone else being the centerpiece. Yeah. Yeah. No deal is getting done around Burleson, but he's the the cherry on top for sure. Yeah. Um, and then we're all so, sad no, when he hits 280 and, uh, you know, 28 bombs and yeah. with a 360 OBP or something, you know, like just a, a real complete uh, offensive threat. You know, the Rockies need a first baseman. Too bad the Rockies don't have any pitching to give to the yeah, Cardinals or, anymore. Or, or what are you what are you getting from the Rockies? Herman Marquez. He just got extended. I saw that. He, Congratulations. He might be healthy. He might be healthy at some point. Nolan Jones seems good. Nolan Jones is good, but trading Nolan Jones for Alec Burleson would be <laughs> the dumbest. That would be not as dumb as a Nolan Arenado trade, but right up there. So then it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, so two other things uh, before we move on with these last last 16 games, the Cardinals do remain three games behind the Pirates. So yeah. uh, not feeling great about that one, but we'll see. There's still <laughs> yeah. 16 games to play. None of them against the Pirates, of course. Um, and the Cardinals currently have the fifth worst record in baseball. And that if, if they sit where they are right now, which, you know, it could go up or down, but as of right now, they have a 10% chance of winning the draft lottery. Uh, so getting the number one overall pick. So, I mean, if you're smart, you can gain yourself six and a half percentage points by tanking the rest of the season and trying to dip mm-hmm. below Kansas city or the A's. Um, 
Is it worth it? Is it worth the moral gut punch? I don't know. Six percent, six and a half percent is is not nothing. Um, but the Cardinals are going to have. We'll be excited about the draft lottery this year. The Cardinals are going to be, you know, have a real yeah. chance of actually getting a, a top pick here. Yeah. Yeah, and how how much would baseball hate that if the Cardinals the Cardinals with a ten percent chance first, first losing year, season in forever? Yeah, we get the first yeah. overall, but you know, I think we deserve it. Frankly, we ben. do. As Cardinal, we do. As Cardinal fans, we should we never have get had to pick to the top up. of the draft. Yeah, I know we never get to pick at the top Come of on. the draft. Come on, Come Manfred. On. Come on, just once, just once, please. And I want some please. ice cream too, please. Ooh. A little Burleson cherry on top. <laughs> sure. Come on. Hey. All right. Well, we've got more to talk about. We're going to we're going to look at some of the pictures from the international market. But before we do, you know, it's incredibly important that we remind everyone that this show is listener supported. That's right. It's because of listeners like you that we're here every week. And some elite listeners, some f- listeners who have joined the revolution have also decided to support the show on patreon if you like the type of content we're providing want to support its production its growth consider joining our patreon patreon.com slash talking about birds subscribers at any level get two things one you get access to our bird score it's our private discord server we're having a great time in there our fantasy baseball season has entered the playoffs uh, and C70's uh, strategy of only drafting St. Louis Cardinals went about as well as you would expect. <laughs> and uh, props to the beefy boys for having the best record and getting a first round bye. I suspect their defeat will be quick in the second round, but we'll see. We're having a good time. We'll be doing it again next year. If you want to join a fantasy league with us, we'd love to have more of you and, and expand the league. So join for that. And also you get uh usually early access to episodes. Now that is dependent yeah. on when we record. Um, sometimes we are recording mere hours before the release, but uh, most of the time I can get it out to you to, you know, often the day before. So uh, if that is appealing to you or you just want to support the show, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, and also if you like the show and want to support it in a different way, a review on your favorite podcast platform really does help. Then where can people find us online otherwise? Yeah, make sure to follow us on uh, Twitter at Talk About Birds. We're on Instagram at Talking About Birds. We are on Spotify. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify if you prefer that. We have a TikTok. Go check us out on the TikTok. Uh, email us any thoughts, questions, uh, concerns, criticisms to talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Um, and you can find all of that information at talkingaboutbirds.com. Again, that is talkingaboutbirds.com. Talkingaboutbirds.com. All right. So there are two pitchers that I think are very interesting for the Cardinals to pursue this year. Yeah. In the offseason that one we've already talked about. If you've been following the uh, upcoming offseason at all. You're probably familiar with this name. Um, uh, I, I always I always want to make sure that I get his name correct, even though I'm going to uh, end up screwing it up anyway. Yoshinobu, Yo, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. 
Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Fantastic name and uh, incredible pitcher coming out of the Japanese league. Just threw a new hitter, not new hitter, a no hitter. New hitter. Uh, over the weekend, he'll be coming over at 25 years old. Yeah. Uh, similar to the Otani deal, can get a full major league contract. Um, but the price is going to be high for this guy, and rightfully so. Like, this is, he might be the best pitcher on the market this offseason. Yeah. You never know with guys coming over from the, from another league, but all signs point to him being incredible. The and so I've Mets, seen numbers of upwards of $200 million for this guy. The, the Mets ownership and leadership group has already said that they're prepared, prepared to pay over $150 million to land this guy. And yeah. while I don't think that that immediately takes him out of the Cardinals running, I do think that competing with Steve Cohen, they're not going to win it. Out yeah. of the Cardinals running. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, it sucks, but it's I mean, it might even be the right like we want the Cardinals to go out and spend money. But getting in a getting in a cash war with Steve Cohen just doesn't seem very prudent. It was, you know, we've seen him once he says, I want a, a guy he'll they'll go and spend whatever money. What do they try to pay um, Correa for, you know, yeah. and that felt it fell apart. Probably lucky for them. But like. You know, we've seen how much money he's willing to splash out. But yeah, Correa's kind of been trashed this year. But yeah, I mean, he gave 90 million bucks to Scherzer and Verlander, and that didn't work. Uh, yeah. He's going to get this guy. I've, I have a feeling he is going to get this guy. Um, and I don't think the Mets are going to sign Otani. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Yamamoto. Entire leadership groups are going to Japan and watching these games right now. Yes. Um, there, there's like, I think the Cubs owner was at a game. The Mets group has been at a like major like people who don't often actually go and do scouting are being seen at these games so uh there i think you know there's otani is the big story and then yamamoto might be the next biggest story in the offseason of of where he goes and again yeah. rightfully so this dude is like you're you're likely adding a number one ace to your team and someone that you'll be able to get at age 25 which almost never even happens in the MLB, right? So no. it, it's it's a bit of a unicorn. No, pitchers pitchers at that age and this ability level just don't come up. Like it just I think Jack Flaherty is going to be the youngest pitcher who with MLB experience becoming a free agent next year and love Jack Flaherty, but he is not, you know, anything close to what uh, yeah. uh Yamamoto is bringing. Um another name that I do think is going to be much more in the Cardinals world. Um, and as somebody who could probably, uh, it seems like early reports are showing that he might be more in the Kodai Senga realm, which yes. I believe Kodai Senga got five years, 75 million, uh, is this left-handed pitcher named Shoda Iman, Ima, oh damn it. I had it earlier. Imanaga, Imanaga, Shoda yeah. Imanaga. Um, who is a lefty starting pitcher. He will be 30 going into next year. And I was watching some video from this guy and he has a fiery arm uh, with a great, yeah. with great breaking stuff. And uh, again, somebody who they just announced will be posted for MLB this upcoming offseason. And I'm really excited yeah. about him all of a sudden. I think this is a legitimate uh, target for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, if he, you know, we've seen Senga has done really well. We've also seen the Cardinals, have some success in bringing over uh, players from this league and other Asian leagues. Um, you know, Kim, Oh, 
uh, you know, so as, as a couple recent examples. And, um, you know, he seems like someone that you could probably get for less than a hundred million. Um, I mean, he's not gonna be cheap. No, I think a lot of people are going to want this guy, but he's not going to be the 200 million that Yamamoto is going to go for. And he's young enough, 30 as a pitcher, you know, it's, you can still have several years of, of good success. And, uh, I think he looks like exactly the type of guy. If the Cardinals are going to go and spend money on pitching, which I it sure seems like they're going to, I would take this over a lot of the guys that you were seeing uh, in this similar price range and age range that are going to be available. And I think that like with you, you kind of mentioned it, but with uh, Kodai Senga's success uh, this year, obviously Otani is kind of. Otani's Otani. You can't really compare him to other Japanese league pitchers, but I think we're really seeing a we're live we're at a time period now where Nippon professional baseball I think is being viewed a little differently. These players are coming mm-hmm. over and contributing immediately. Uh, Masataka Yoshida's had a pretty solid year and has had some yeah. a couple of heaters that have really stuck out. Like I think that the quality of play is rising. I think I mean we saw what happened in the WBC. Um, you know, there, there's a lot and a lot of talent over there and we're seeing Japanese players perform. Um, so yeah, I think the Cardinals should, and I'll, I'm, I'm not at the point where I'm going to be disappointed, but getting a, this lefty, uh, getting Shota, I think would be a lot of fun for a ton of reasons. And, you know, if he's your number two or three going into next year, feel really good about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've said this on the show before, and I don't really have any data to back it up, but I think the splitter is the new secret weapon in, in baseball. And, uh, you know, we've seen Singa is doing it. That's what Kevin Gosman throws. And, you know, he he he's fallen off a little bit. But for, for quite a while now, he's been a, a, a Cy Young candidate. It's just not the most commonly thrown pitch. And, and when it's done effectively, it, it seems to really, really be messing up major leagues. Uh, hitters and this guy throws a fantastic splitter uh i think he's exactly who they should target like if i'm the cardinals i'm looking for one guy from the the mlb side you know we've talked about sunny gray he's having a fantastic year you know we're, we're just assuming the cardinals aren't going in on the on the 200 million dollar guys you know the, yeah. the nolas and whatnot um but if you could walk away with a gray this guy and then trade for one um you know, successful major league starter, hopefully young. Um, about I, Kirby, I, that he, guy, he doesn't know how to, how to be a, a Mariner. He's doesn't have the, <laughs> the stick to itiveness. He needs to rub some dirt on it. Maybe the Mariners need to get rid of him and he can come yeah, over here. Let's talk about that for a second. I said this on Twitter. <laughs> I, I wanted to hear your take on it. So Kirby got some shit for saying that he didn't think he should be out there in the seventh. Cause he'd already yeah. thrown 90 pitches and then he gave up a game tying home run and he got a lot of shit for it. People. Yeah. Like, he don't got that dog in him, you know? And I had like such an opposite reaction to it, you know, like don't we want these guys like being honest and self-aware and knowing when they're putting themselves out there in the best spot or not? I don't know. I, I just like, I understand, you know, you we're used to people going out there and, and saying only exclusively, I will do anything and everything. I will die for this team yeah. at any moment. Um, but like how many times have we heard people get hurt because they're out there where they shouldn't be and they were afraid to yeah. tell or like games get blown because they were afraid to tell, you know, I, I don't know. I like, I thought it was a good bit of honesty from him. 
Yeah, kid, he's 25 years old. He's got all the talent in the world. Obviously, he's a fierce competitor. And you ask him a dumbass question right when he comes out of the game or, you know, just post the game where he's fired up. And a 25-year-old super athlete responds emotionally and everyone jumps on him. I'm sure he didn't pick his words perfectly. But guess what? He was right. They lost the game. So, yeah. you know, and I know he was probably staying in a little bit longer, getting close to his pitch limit because they're trying to save the bullpen, which, you know, Seattle's having their own issues up there. Um, yeah. But it comes down to he was right. They lost. Yeah. So yeah. what are you going to say? The guy, I mean, uh, this guy is a like would not be surprised if this guy is a Cy Young contender in the next handful of years. Like, I, I really yeah. think he's got the juice. Um, so anyone questioning his. uh you know, his ability to, to keep his head down and work hard and, and pitch yeah. well. Like, yeah, right. Are you kidding me? This kid's a I beast. love it. I just love it when, uh, you know, fans and other people are like, this guy's not a competitor. It's like, yeah. man, you know, you don't get to the major league level by not being a competitor. There, there's obviously different levels of it, you know, like, and there's different outward presentations of your competitive level, but all these ding dongs sitting on their couches being like, this guy's not got the dog in him. You yeah. know, I'm just also it, the league is different now than when Mark Mulder pitched in it. Like now, <laughs> yeah. if you let up on one at bat as a pitcher, if you take it, take your foot off the gas for a second, if you're not feeling great, like everyone can take you over the wall. Did not used to yeah. be like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, I'm fine with it. And again, like, well, he's a 25 year old phenom, you know, I, I think he's yeah. going to be a star. We're getting on this kid for saying, is, yeah, like, we're getting on this kid for saying something slightly emotional right after a start that yeah. didn't go his way. Okay. Who cares? Better watch out. He might expand his mouth really wide and suck everyone up and steal all their powers. That's a Kirby joke. I liked it. <laughs> it's like the worst version of a Kirby joke. Too. I was yeah, trying to think it was barely better, even a joke. You just kind of explained what Kirby does. Yeah. You yeah. suck. We should trade for Kirby. Uh, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, or Wu. I will take any of them. Any of them. Any of them. Burleson, well, they they love to acquire outfielders. They could have Burleson. He might work. Yeah. For them. Uh, Emerson Hancock. He went down with an injury. I'll take any of those guys. Yeah. They're all good. Uh, all right. So, yeah, so we'll see. You know, we just want to talk about these guys. I think Yamamoto, everyone's been talking about. And um, uh, Imanaga, like, I, we're, you've maybe you're really, you know, following it. You've probably started to see his name around even more. But um, we'll, we'll track this. And, again, I think he is, like, such an obvious choice for the Cardinals. And I hope they are able to pull the trigger. Uh, oh, yeah. We have a couple series coming up. Our best friends, the Philadelphia Phillies, are coming to St. Louis. Uh, so we get to see Kyle Schwarber do his thing again. I mean, the uh, what what do you what are you thinking? We've seen the Phillies a lot recently. It feels like, yeah. Uh, but but what do you what do you think about with this Phillies uh, series? Yeah, I mean, you know, this team was good. Um, they have a lot of offensive firepower. They are getting good performances from unlikely names uh, on the pitching side, such as Mike Lorenzen. Uh, Matt Strom has kind of really held their t pitching staff together, which I did not think that Matt Strom had this in him. So shout out yeah. to the Phillies for for locating that and acquiring that and making him start and all that stuff. But what's really scary right now is that Trey Turner has absolutely lit his hair on fire and Bryce Harper starting to hit really well too, you know, coming back from his Tommy John surgery. 
Um, but Trey Turner has been an absolute, be- I think he has 16 home runs in the last like 40 days or something like that. I know it's he's, 11 home runs in the last 13 games. <laughs> he still is yet to be caught stealing. Um, yeah. He's playing a great shortstop. Um, I, I, everything that was wrong with him at the beginning of the season is just completely gone. He's back to being superstar Trey Turner. Um, yeah. So with him and Brycey boy at the top of the lineup, you know, it's uh, it's not going to be great. Yep. Yep. Good, good, uh, good test. <laughs> not for, looking uh, forward to it. <laughs> not, not looking forward to it. And again, though, we're, you know, we're just adding to that six, that potential for that six and a half percent gain in the, no uh, kidding. Trey yeah. Turner over the last 23 games has a 1300 OPS. Pretty Gives good you any idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that, the brewers, what we thought, you know, for a long time, we thought this was going to be a critical series. A, a you know a a oh, potentially yeah. divi- a division deciding series. The Brewers come to St. Louis for four games. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Brewers are currently up four games on the Cubs. Four games up with sixteen left to play. Um, you know, I would say like it could it would be fun for the Cardinals to play spoiler to the Cub or to the Brewers here, but I don't even know if I actually feel that way. I kind of don't want the Cubs to win the division. So I, I don't I'm not saying I want the Cardinals to lose to the Brewers because I just don't like the Cardinals losing to any NL Central team. Yeah. I still want I still want to beat them. But, um, you know, we talked about the Red Series last week and how much fun it would be to be spoiler to the Reds. Yeah. And I felt that very strongly. And I would love for the Cardinals to be spoilers to the Cubs. I don't feel that as strongly for the Brewers. Um, but I, you know, no, I, it would I be. think I, I think what we should all be wanting to happen, like if we're, we're trying to be aspirational for what the Cardinals can do, it is beat up on the Brewers a little bit because the Cubs are playing the Diamondbacks, which that's a pretty even matchup. Then they're playing the Pirates and the Rockies. Then they're playing the Braves. So it gets a little tougher or a lot tougher there. But then the final series for the Cubs and Brewers this year is a three-game series in Milwaukee against them. And I would like it to come down. I would like them to be tied coming into game 162. And they have an absolute knockdown drag out (laughs) by four divisional uh, uh, championship. And then whatever winning team kind of limps into the playoffs uh, and is shot behind the barn uh, quickly <laughs> in the first series of the, of the playoffs. <laughs> so, all right. I love it. Yeah. The, okay. Everyone, everyone struggles into the playoffs. They run themselves dry and then they're yeah. eliminated quickly, whoever they are from the NL central. Yeah. 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 I think that would, you know, I, I think it would go a long way to help the Cubs. If the Cardinals can beat up on the Brewers here in this four game series, even two out of four uh, split the series, I think would be a nice, um, and the Cubs might be able to come come back and beat up on the Pirates and the and the Rockies and yeah, you know, do something. Well, but the, that's what I'm hoping Cubs, for. Surprisingly, the Cubs occupy the the last wild card spot right now. So as yeah. it stands, no one saw this coming. There are two NL Central teams uh, in the playoffs right now. Uh, so we'll see how that how that shakes out. They have yeah. a uh, two game lead on Arizona. It, it, it pains me to say this, but you know I'm trying to be somewhat objective. But the Cubs are playing good baseball right now, and then calling up uh, Crow Armstrong, who in his you know one second in the big leagues already looks like a top shelf center fielder. This yeah, kid is super talented. Yeah, um, and them having a defense built around Armstrong, Nico Horner, and Dansby Swanson, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, yeah, I, I, they're, they're a good little team. They're constructed in kind of a fun way. And I hate even saying that. Um, yeah. but they're kind of fun to watch right now. Well, let's not talk about it too much more because yeah, yeah. I just don't like that. So let's yeah. go into our, uh, league news segment. What do you, what do you got for us, Ben? Yeah. So the Mets, David Stearns, former, I think one of the better, uh, president of baseball operations in baseball when he was with the Brewers, other than that Josh Hader trade, but did a lot with Mm -hmm. a little, he has now been hired by the Mets and will be taking over as president of baseball operations, uh, in Queens there. I think this is a fantastic hire. Um, if I was Steve Cohen, I'm not sure if there's a GM that I would want more. Um, then David Stearns. And I think that with, I think, you know, they were talking about, we want to be the East coast Dodgers. Um, and with the pocketbooks and now the brains that they have, I think that yeah, the, yeah. NL East is, I, I just think he's a really good executive. I think he's a really smart baseball guy and given yeah. those resources, it's going to be a really, um, bad thing for the rest of the league. 38 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Smart, smart cookie, smart cookie. Um, Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I think it's been universally, uh, called a great move and I'm sure he's, you know, it's going to be great for him too. Except for he has to work with, uh, should be in prison billionaire, Steve Cohen. So I feel like he'll be okay with that. I think he'll probably be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving down the line, the Padres, you Darvish has been shut down for the rest of the season with a stress reaction in his elbow. Um, so unfortunately no chance of him coming back. You know, I've been watching some Padres games recently and, uh, th- this team will just forever confound me. I will, I, I feel like the 2023 Padres team will just be burned into my brain as of, uh, one of the most disappointing, uh, performances I can remember. They're just not clicking. It's just not all coming together. They'll, you know, they'll go in and, and hit a couple of early home runs off Lance Lynn. Um, and then the Dodgers will just put seven runs up on them in two innings and the game's over and they, uh, are just not coming back. But, um, yeah, anyways, I, I don't need to rant about the Padres, but, uh, uh, he's, he's got down. a stress reaction. Try being a Cardinal fan this year. Hey, that was pretty hey. good. Um, yeah, you know, I was looking at something, uh, earlier. It was, uh, if you flipped the results of all the one run games in baseball this year, what would the standings look like? Yeah. And, uh, like the two biggest winners from that flip are the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres. Padres also have a horrible record in one run games, which is a notoriously fluky stat. And so, um, we would be, uh, it would actually be Cubs in first place. Cardinals right now only two or three games behind the Cubs, I think, for the for first place with a, a positive uh, record by a lot of games. And the Padres, I think, were also in second place behind the the Dodgers in their division. So, um, you know, they're, they're having yeah. an equally fluky season as we are. So ready to flip the page to next year for sure. Yes. Um, in Blue Jays news, talking about other birds, Alec Manoa unlikely to pitch again at any level this season after failing to report to AAA after his last assignment. Man, what a what a monumental collapse. Your pick for the 2023 AL Cy Young, a very popular pick. I think one of the one of the more commonly selected people to win the Cy Young this year. And it 
seems like his time with the Blue Jays is likely done. I don't I don't you know, this happens every once in a while where dudes just bail. And I don't know if he's like fully bailing and they're and he'll pull a Yairo Munoz and just end up yeah. with the athletics or something <laughs> uh, or, or what. But like, man, what a what a crazy collapse. Like, I, I can't think of a time we've seen such a young star have this happen. Yeah, and that's it. It's coming from the heights that he was at, at a team that is like in their competitive window in the most, the toughest division in baseball. Um, and not only him be completely ineffective, but then also have a bad attitude about it is super bizarre. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it would be a little shocking to me to learn that he never pitches for the blue Jays again, just because he is valuable, young, like there's still gotta be something in there. Um, but yeah, I can't really think of a comp, uh, to this situation in baseball. Yeah, no, me neither. It's crazy. I, I wish the best for him. I don't know. You, it, it makes you wonder if there's something underlying happening. You know, like I don't want to make assumptions about anybody, um, but it, it just makes you feel like there's got to be something else going on here. Or is it just poor performance led to bad attitude leading to not showing up to your assignment? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Not showing up is such a weird way to handle that. Just I'm taking my yeah. ball and going home. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I hope he's OK. That's that's a good yeah. point. That's that's a much more empathetic take than I was <laughs> kind of sitting here with, but yeah, that's, that's good. Um, moving down, uh, talking about the brewers again, the brewers who, uh, acquired Josh Donaldson after he was let go from the Yankees are now pulling him up for the playoff run. Um, and I think that this is kind of funny in the sense, I think this is emblematic of like where the brewers are at and why I kind of think they don't even really deserve to be at the top of this crappy division. Um, (laughs) like this is their reinforcement that they're calling in. Uh, but anyway, some, somewhat interesting. I think like there's a world where I could see Josh Donaldson being an impact player for a couple of weeks for the Brewers. It's a good offensive ballpark. Um, he can still pick it at third. You know, maybe this is an impactful move, but probably not. Yeah. Well, anybody with a OPS over 700 is going to positively impact the Milwaukee Brewers lineup. So <laughs> right. you could see, yeah, like it's it's a lottery ticket, right? This guy has done it before, former MVP, former, you know, one of the best offensive players in baseball. Change of scenery, couple weeks with a team. If he gets hot, you you run it. And if not, you say, well, it didn't really cost us anything. He wouldn't be the first Yankee to leave New York this year or last year and start performing better. Who are Look you? At what Aaron to? Hicks is doing in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Joey Gallo getting out of New York was huge. Um, yeah, I don't know the Yankee. We'll we'll talk about the Yankees this off season, but that is another club that I think I could do a whole separate podcast on. Like, what the hell are you guys doing over there? Yeah. Um. All right. Last thing I have on my league news, uh, and I think you know everybody's heard this by now, but I thought we would have to talk about it. Mike Trout is reportedly open, or uh, sorry, the Angels are openly reported. Uh, to be interested in trading Mike Trout uh, pretty much for the first time yeah. in recent memory. And we kind of talked about the Angels situation on the last pod or the, the one before that. But the the Angels competitive window is completely non-existent to me. I think it makes sense mm-hmm. to trade Mike Trout as soon as possible. I think the real question is like, what kind of value does Mike Trout have? I've been trying to think about this from a Cardinal perspective because... Um, 
it's tough, man. He he it's Mike Trout. He is the best hitter of this generation. I, you know, inner circle hall of fame. Um, and he's young for that level of, uh, like, um, accomplishment, right? He's 31 so, years old. Yeah. So like you think, wow, okay. I can acquire the, one of the best hitters of all time. Legitimately. He's one of the best hitters of all time. Yes. And he's only 31. So you would he's, assume he's Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, my God, I can get Mickey Mantle at age 31. Like whatever you want. Here you go. I'll take Mike Trout. How, who, who doesn't want Mike Trout? But then you start to peel it back a little bit and you say, OK, well, he hasn't played more than 140 games in like six or seven seasons. Over Multiple the last the- three seasons, he's averaging 79 games. Yeah. And then you recognize that he is owed $37 million a year for the next seven years. $260 million. And everything just starts to collapse as far as like, how do you properly evaluate a trade for this guy? You know, you get, it's like the complication of the Arenado trade without the guaranteed value of Arenado, you know? Like what, what do you, what do you, what are you giving to the angels in return for a 37 and a half million dollar paycheck for a guy who may not play half the season? Yeah. You know, um, Mike Trout has to approve it. Yeah. And I assume he would, Uh, you know, no, I don't think any rebuilding team is trading for him. So he's almost inherently, he's almost certainly going to a better situation. Yeah. And, and I don't know this by any means, but I would, you know, t- turning it back to the Cardinals conversation, I would imagine he would approve a trade to the Cardinals if that yeah. was something that was on the table. And I think that, the, you know, another question is, what is Perry Manassian looking for? I would think, like, it, it's really hard to trade Mike Trout, you know, like full stop, right? Yeah. But the Angels are in such a spot where you'd think they would have to go after quantity over mm-hmm. anything. Like, obviously, they don't yeah. want like a bunch of, quad a players that'll you know never turn anything but you would think they'd have to get as much quantity back as possible because they are so far away on on pitching position player depth period yeah i would imagine it's going to look like um you know some of the trades like the mets just did it's all going to come down to how much money are they willing to give back to the team that will determine the level of prospect that they're going to get because right. if they're going to just trade them flat out where all they like the the acquiring team just straight up takes that thirty seven and a half million dollar uh, a year contract. You have to imagine the prospect hall is not going to be that great, you know, like that's part of the problem with these long term, super high value, uh, you know, or high dollar contracts. So you could see a world where like the Mets are like. Well, sure. We don't care about money. Uh, we'll give you. We just got a whole bunch of good prospects for money. Uh, you know, we'll give you two of them, and we, now we have Mike Trout. It's yeah. Like, well, shit. The Mets now have Mike Trout, or maybe the Cardinals. Yeah, dump a bunch of mid to high level prospects and and get them. I really don't think the Cardinals are even going to have that conversation with the the Angels. Um, I it's probably the right call because I think if you're acquiring Mike Trout and they're not covering the entire contract. Now you're spending your money on offense instead of pitching. And that's not where <laughs> yeah. the Cardinals problems are as much as I would love a, like 
imagining a world where you have Arenado, Mike Trout, and Paul Goldschmidt back to back to back is the dream of like 2016, right? Imagining having those three guys back to back to back in your lineup, Trout, Arenado, Goldschmidt. Uh, and then add in Walker and Gorman and Contreras and all that. And then you're like, oh, my God, it'd be the best lineup in the <laughs> history of baseball. But I just don't think it's the right thing for the Cardinals to do. But, hey, if they decide it, to do it, I got you won't see me crying about getting Mike Trout. It's just it seems like an impossible move. It's way too late for the Angels, but it is still the right thing for them to do. It's just uh, that that package is going to be really, really complicated. And it's only a, only a small number of teams, I think, are going to really be able to be a contender for it unless the Angels are really willing to cover a lot of that contract. In which yeah. case, get in there, Cardinals like. Yeah. I'd be okay with it. Like Juan Ben Cho, Michael McGreevy, Thomas Sagasi, Cooper Jerpy, Gordon Graceffo, Victor Scott, if, too. If you can get it down to where you're paying Mike Trout $20 million or less a year, uh, and all you had to give up was a bunch of, I mean, like, you know, we like all those names you just said, yeah. but it's, it's, fuck, it's Mike Trout. You know, right. you'll take a half season of Mike Trout uh, for, for, 19 million or whatever. Yeah. But, I, uh, I think it really comes down to how you think he's going to age. Like, do you yeah. think that he's going to age into this like 40, 50 home run corner outfielding slugger, or is he going to kind of just dwindle away and become, you know, shell of himself. But I think if your metrics and your internal stuff is telling you that he's going to become like Nelson Cruz, that could actually play corner outfield. Um, and he's going to, you, you, you believe in his aging curve. I don't know. It's a conversation to have. How yeah. many Mike Trouts are out there? Well, I mean, when he's healthy, he crushes. You yes, know? he does. There, there hasn't been much of a decline in output uh, through the years. He, he, he doesn't run like he used to. But that's how much. Unless you're Mookie Betts, like most guys are not running after at thirty. You know, Nate, that's so. true. But his sprint speed, according to Baseball Savant, is still ninety six percentile. I know he's not sealing bases. <laughs> But he's yeah, still he's 96 still, percentile. He's still one of the greatest baseball players of all time, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and so like it's still there. Yeah, he just I think I'm, I'm sure for him it's a risk equation. People get hurt stealing bases all the time and he yeah. is apparently incredibly fragile. So he doesn't run for that reason. But ultimately, why guys stop running when they get older is a mix of a lot of things. It's yeah. not always just because they're slower. Um, although that is often the primary case. But I think for him, it's just staying healthy. But um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be fun. Mike Trout, a Cardinal. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. But it, it can't be at the expense of, of spending all most of your money on pitching because no, it, it just no, does, it cannot. It doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. But uh, that's fun to think about for right now. Of course it is. And hey, look, that's some more intrigue for this offseason. We got a lot oh, yeah. going on this offseason. All right, we're going to we're going to wrap up this uh, episode with another uh, dumb game. Um, we've played this one, I think, a couple times before. Uh, I like to call it. I wonder, I wonder if it's over or under. <laughs> so, Ben, God. I've been thinking about Adam Wainwright approaching these uh, this this milestone number. Sure. And that made me think about haven't we other all? haven't we all made me think about other milestone numbers and what what uh you know, other Cardinals haven't been able to achieve in their career and what nice, you know, round numbers people have surpassed. Sure. And so, so I, I, uh, you know, found myself on the baseball reference, individual player record page, 
and basically looking at a whole lot of uh, Bob Gibson and Stan Mutual numbers. But uh, there's a few in here that stood out to me. So here's what's going to happen. Sorry, he's knocking on my back door. One second. Yeah, you're fine. I'm going to give you a player, a stat, and the number for that stat. And you tell me, is the number that I gave you over or under what the player actually accomplished? Yeah, this is like uh, when you and I used to live together back in college. This is like the game that Uh we would play on the couch. (laughs) Yep. I was okay. I was okay. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. So these are all big time players and big time numbers. All right. Okay. So Stan Musial total war. Yeah. Okay. Stan Stan Musial total war sounds like a really bad, like early Xbox game or something. (laughs) (laughs) The eighth Terminator movie. Yeah. Uh, All right. Stan Musial's total war. This is baseball reference war. Okay. Did he achieve the milestone number of 125? I, he's inner circle. He is one of the best of all time. 100 alone is a lot of war. 125 is basically two Hall of Famers in one. I think because of his position, which docked him, he probably did not get there being first base in corner outfield. I'm going to say no, he is under 125. You are incorrect, Ben. Ah. He got to 128.6. Wow, wow. I set the number at 100 because that is more of a milestone, you know, 100, like more of a round number rather. But it, I figured you'd be able to get it easily because he is, like you said, he is so incredible, like, getting over a hundred. So I went right up to the line on this one and I think I would have taken the under as well. I mean, yeah. it's pretty, incredible. It's, it's just so high. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Damn. Sorry, Stan. Mark McGuire's OPS as a St. Louis Cardinal. Ooh. <laughs> Did he eclipse as a career, the milestone of 1.1, 1. 1.1. 1. 1? Yes. Whoa, I was going to guess it was in the 900s. So you saying 1.1 is insane. Um, Crap. I don't want to I don't want to be talking bad about some of my favorite Cardinals, but I think that's under on that as well. Ben, 1.111 is his. Oh, my God. Hit seventy two bombs in a season. It does a lot of work for your. (laughs) your But still, I, I. He yeah. was with the Cardinals for, you know, a handful of years. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, agreed. So should Barry Bonds. Um, wow, 1.111. Yeah. That and is, that is, of course, the best. all. Like, so I bowled this off of all-time records, right? Yeah. And so Sam Usual, but highest war, obviously. Yeah. Uh, this is the highest OPS. Um, so, all right. Stan Usual, games played. Did he play 3,000 games? Did he play 3000 games? Um, Because of the war, the actual war, the war, the world war two, I'm going to say that there's no way that he was able to accrue that many games. So I'm going to say under again, and I'll probably be wrong again. 
Ben, he played 3,026 games. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Well, apparently yeah. using any logic that I think I have in my head should go out the window. I know you're, you're making such educated guesses and just getting it. You're just landing on the wrong side of it. Ugh. All right. Here's a fun one. Lou Brock stolen bases. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Did, did he get to 900? Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so I think Ricky, I know Ricky beat it and it was in the 900s. Today, I am the greatest. <laughs> um, yeah, the dollop did a two part episode on Ricky Henderson and it is fantastic. He I is uh, not only yeah. one of the best baseball, pl- inner circle, best b- baseball players of all time, but. One of the craziest dudes. Yeah, of all time. <laughs> it's a, it's I, I highly any any baseball fan should go and yeah. listen to. It's called the Dollop. They do a lot of baseball episodes, and they did a two parter on Ricky Henderson, and it's incredible. Um, okay, so I thought that I thought that Lou Brock. If you would have just asked me on the street, I would have guessed that he was in the seven or eight hundreds. Um, I know Ricky broke him. I know Ricky was somewhere in the nine. I know it's really close is all, I guess what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, my gut tells me it's under my gut has been wrong every time. But one of these has to be under and I want to vote with logic rather than mm-hmm. playing your game or uh, trying to think along. I'm going to say under, I'm going to say under 900. All right. You got this one, Ben, but it is close. He had yeah. 888 stolen. Bases. Wow. That is insane. Yeah. Lou Brock. I like this game. Lou. At least we get to talk about good baseball players. I know. Uh, here's a great baseball player, but a terrible stat. Uh, Yadier Molina. How many double plays did he ground into? Oh, man. And he reached the milestone of 300 double plays grounded into. So I was going to get like my line of thought was he like grounded into like 20 double plays a year for 19 years. <laughs> So I, it's like, which puts it like right there. <laughs> um, you said 300, 300. Uh, I will say. So that number would make sense if he was averaging that. Right. And let's say that he probably averaged less than that early and more in that later, but he's also playing fewer games later, mm-hmm. which would make it trend lower than 300 unless he had a year where he hit like into like 40 or 50 which <laughs> honestly could be possible with yadi could be um i'm gonna say under again i don't think it i don't think it was that high you got this one ben it yes. was close though uh he grounded into 287 double plays wow. which is the cardinal record yeah that has to be <laughs> Yeah, the and slowest one, best cardinal. It's one that you just don't see getting beaten anytime no. soon. You know, it's got to be someone who plays that long, is a mainstay in your lineup for that long, but is also not that good offense. It's like it's a catcher's. <laughs> it's a catcher's. Yeah. Uh, yes. record, it's a yachty know? stat. Really, it's, it's unique stat. to yachty. Yeah, or a Molina right. brother. Yeah. Uh, the brothers Molina. All right, we're, we're now we're going back to the back to the big time. Uh, complete games by Bob Gibson. Is it okay. over under two hundred and fifty? 
over. Holy shit. Really? That's the number you're picking. God, he was yes. amazing. Um, wow. So I do know that he has some crazy stat where it's like, he's got, you know, 346 wins and 75% of those were complete games or something like that. I, I know, I, I don't know the actual numbers off my head, but I do know it's something bonkers like that. Um, and he's Bob Gibson. It's hard to underestimate Bob Gibson. I'm going to say over. Bobby Gibson has over 250 complete games. Ben, he had 255 complete wow. games. Wow. Wow. How many wins did he have? Do you have that in front of you right now? Um, I can get it real quick. Um, Because I, I know it's some insane percentage. Or it might even... He, he, no, he had... Uh, he might have, yeah, he had 251 wins because he so was he had not more a, complete games yeah. than wins. That's insane. What an yeah. amazing player. 251 wins, 3,117 strikeouts, and a 2.91 earned run average. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Not, not bad. All right, my last one here for you, Ben. Jason Isringhausen. Oh, damn it. As a Cardinal. How many saves did he have? Yeah. The number is 200. Oh, did he man. reach the career milestone of 200? He was there saves. for a while. It's it, my, my memory because of the end of his career, my memory is like so soiled. It's like, how the hell would he have got to 300 mm-hmm. or 200? But that's really like four or five seasons of being a decent closer to get to, to 200. And I think he had that in him. And the Cardinals were good at those times, so a lot of opportunities. Um, I am going to say yes, he broke 200 as a Cardinal. You got it, Ben. He had 217. Wow. Is he is he in the Cardinals Hall of Fame? Should he be? Yes. Yeah, He ju- it, was, it was like this year or last year. Okay. It just yeah. happened. All yeah. right. Well, good. Yeah, for him. I think he should be. I think yeah. he should be. I'm, I'm a big Hall kind of guy, though. You know, if you were a big part of any generation of Cardinals like I don't care what your total numbers are it's like why I was super okay with David Freeze being in the Cardinal Hall of Fame even if he didn't think he deserved to be in sure it, sure know? yeah um all right well you had a rough start um but you got the last uh five correct that no, was really hurting my pride there in the beginning that was yeah. rough I, I didn't not like that what whatsoever yeah um but overall, good game. So, uh, yeah. So that'll be it for this episode. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Patreon.com slash Talking About Birds. Uh, we've only got a couple of weeks left of the regular season. Then we go on into the playoffs, which we will be covering. Uh, so stick around. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your cousins. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Tell their dog friends. It helps. <laughs> All of it helps. All and, of it uh, helps. Yep. Uh, we got a new stray cat that's probably going to be living with us soon. Um, I tell it about the podcast. See, I'm doing my you work. Got to get the word out in the street. Mm-hmm. It's the talking about street, street team. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Uh, and with that, we'll be back again next week. And until then, Cardinals. Okay. Thank you. Bye.